Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 111 for the week of March 15th, 2021. I'm Mike McComb and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be talking about Belarus, songs that weren't disqualified, and Melfest. How's it going, Ben? There has been so much news. And also just songs dropping left and right, although not quite as many as, as last week, somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not quite as many as in, like, maybe one fewer, two fewer? Maybe one or two fewer. <laughs> yeah, and then one that's a big question mark that we will get to in a moment. First, as this episode drops, uh, we're kind of in the midst of uh, Husevich's awards season. Uh, Sunday night uh, were the Grammy Awards, were the soundtrack for Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, was up for an award, and unfortunately did not win. Yeah, that award went to Jojo Rabbit. A movie that I saw in theaters and like did not go, yes, the soundtrack for this movie should get a Grammy. Much like the Golden Globes, a lot about the Grammys is surprisingly sketchy. Like I feel like every year we have brand new scandals about it Mm -hmm. this year in particular uh not that the soundtrack category i (laughs) was involved in that but yeah and then uh monday oscar nominations were announced did you see the video that was going around of the uh, husevic oscar campaign to get a second something named oscar into the town it's delightful yes i have it seemed like it was just as much of an ad for the Husevik Tourism Board, uh, as it was for like an Oscar campaign to just give their town a little bit more attention. Oh, yeah, just like it was it was very civic pride, and I like that. Mm-hmm. They are building a Eurovision museum in Husevik. Oh, really? Yes. That is one of the things that they are doing. Uh, it probably does not surprise you to know, Mike, that I've read a book about Icelandic museum culture in the past year. Mm-hmm. So that's just on brand for me now, which is which is weird. <laughs> there is a book that came out last year called The Museum of Whales You Will Never See and Other Excursions into Icelandic's Most Unusual Museums. Hmm. It's a delightful travelogue. It is sort of focusing on the museum culture of Iceland, which there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 museums in Iceland. That's a surprising number, but also some of them are like a one-room thing or like a shelf full of taxidermy. And like the book's title suggests, like this is sort of a trip through a lot of them. And it's not all Reykjavik stuff. Like it's mostly outside of Reykjavik. The first chapter is about the Phallological Museum in Reykjavik, which is which is nice. I've, I've um, heard of that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I have not been, but I have heard many things. Yeah. So it did not surprise me that they're going to try and build a Eurovision museum in Husavik, Like especially since part of the movie takes place there. So there's obvious connection there. Right. But also Iceland loves Eurovision. So... It doesn't surprise me that there's somebody who's probably a collector who has enough stuff to be like, we should we should build a museum. Something to check out if Iceland ends up winning in the near future. In terms of the Oscar nominations, Husevik was nominated. So voting for the songs goes to the entire Academy. The question on my mind is, who are they going to get to sing this? I've been a fan of Stereo Gum series that's been going through all the number ones. And like there have been a number of cases with number ones or with songs that have been nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. That the original performer either couldn't make the Oscars so somebody else had to perform or just straight up wasn't asked to perform their song. I'm just like, somebody on the internet has already suggested Jesse J singing this. And that's very rude. Oof. They could get Molly Sandian to come in, even though like you don't see her on screen in the movie singing it. Like It is her voice that's performing the song. I have a feeling they would like try to get Bjork just because it's just like, oh, Iceland. But it's just like, one, I don't think she'd say yes to no like it's just like iceland is the only connecting thread there so leave bjork alone she's fine yeah. she's doing great um but no like bring in molly sandin that would be the best choice mm-hmm. i don't know maybe maybe rachel mcadams has been practicing so <laughs> i don't know like i feel like this locks in will ferrell as a presenter in some respect though oh like yeah. that's going to happen and like i feel like the academy likes to have him host he he like he and Christian Wig have done like a few bits at the Oscars before that have been very good. I guess it depends on how serious they're going to take the performances. And I mean, it could also be the case that they decide not to do the performances this year because they sometimes skip out on that. I don't know if this year is necessarily going to be the case, but that's a whole lot of wild speculation. Uh, we, we'll we'll know more as the Oscars draw closer. Uh, they are currently scheduled for Sunday, April 25th. Let's look at what happened this week. Because, oh boy, did things happen this week. And I'm kind of glad that they happened on Tuesday because by that point we had already wrapped last week's show and 
the second that this happened, I was like, I want to see how this plays out. Yeah, this was the one time where I'm not mad that news dropped like as the episode was dropping. It's like, nope, not touching that hornet's nest. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, if you're if you're listening to this program, you are likely aware that there's been like a whole to do with with Belarus this week. So Belarus released what was to be their Eurovision song, Galaxies Amestas Ya Nachu Tebia, I'll teach you. Having looked at like the the rough English translation of the lyrics, it's not great if you know anything about what's been going on in Belarus over the last like six months or so, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, last six months specifically, but just kind of Belarus in just general. Belarus in general, yeah. So uh, Belarus had their presidential elections last August, where Alexander Lushenko, quote unquote, won with eighty percent of the vote. Uh, but there were massive protests, which which came out of that. Uh, Lukashenko has been in power since 1994 and has been the country's first and only president, which that kind of feels like a dictator situation. It is definitely an authoritarian regime. Like the the, uh, human rights groups, Belarus does not rank high on any of their lists. So yeah, it's a really bad situation over there. One of the things that came out of that last September was Val, Belarus's 2020 entry, had released a statement saying that they had not been invited back to represent the nation since Belarus Television found their participation in protests and essentially be against the state. The Belarusian broadcaster BTRC has been the subject of a campaign to be dropped from the EBU. And Eurovision, since all of the ad revenue ratings and prestige from that go to the broadcaster essentially supporting that regime. All not great things. Right. And fan sites, and there was an upswell on Twitter uh, about disqualifying this entry, uh, particularly under the grounds of uh, Rule 2.7 in the big Eurovision uh, rule book. Songs cannot be political in nature with their lyrics. There have been a number of songs that have tiptoed on that line, but this, this one seems a bit more blatant, at least based on the English translation of the lyrics similar to what we saw with georgia when georgia tried to submit we don't want to put in Mm -hmm. like that's that's doing the exact same thing here a lot of people uh on tuesday and wednesday were contacting eurovision ebu saying like yeah we are not in favor of this entry you need to disqualify it and the youtube video that was on the official eurovision channel for i want to say a day and a half Mm mm-hmm it was one of the li- least liked videos I've ever seen on the channel. It's one of those things yes. that I like try to keep track of. And yeah, like comparing the ratio of likes to the total like dislike responses, it was at 10.56%. That's really low. Going back to 2019, the lowest one I could find uh, happened to be Belarus again at 59% and that was second to Australia which was at 66% and that was just people I think responding to the video being like yeah yeah this video is kind of whatever but no this this video and song were not being well received by anyone I've been keeping an eye on this all week just as we have been prepping to record mm-hmm. as far as I can tell where things currently sit uh, as of Thursday morning the song was officially disqualified Belarus was told to either edit the song or completely submit a new song uh, as of Saturday, it was getting like actual news coverage. Uh, Reuters covered it. The Guardian covered it. Belarus was kicked off the Melfest jury and replaced with the UK as a result of this. Currently, like as of when we were recording this episode, BTRC has continued to state that Galaxy's Amesta will represent them at the 2021 contest. They've cited Jamala, Hattori, and Verka Sorduchka as acts that have broken contest rules in similar political ways. Which, when I think about all three of those, I can see what they're kind of pointing at. But this also feels much more blatant than any of those three were in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting into the splitting of hairs and Mm -hmm. it gets complicated because of translation issues and i'm not sure like i i only trust the english translation so far yeah but i trust the reactions that the comment section on youtube was having yes like that's where i got the the general vibe of what was happening here from Mm -hmm. seeing that and then seeing uh seeing val who'd put out that statement last september make a statement about this song and uh, about saying this was not selected by the people this does not represent the people right in an interview with current time tv which is a russian language channel created by radio free europe and voice of america both of whom tend to provide an alternate media source in nations that have a heavily state-run media like mm-hmm. belarus they were kind of asking some pointed questions to the leader of galaxies of Asta about what do the lyrics of this song mean what do you know what do the lyrics of some of your other songs mean? And there was a lot of pushback. Hmm. 
but Belarus has, has stated confidently that Galaxy Zemesta is going to represent them. So we will see whether a new song pops up, whether Belarus is disqualified. Yeah, by the time that this drops, we'll probably know more. I feel like this is not the first time this has happened for Belarus, because I think this is where we got I Love Belarus out of. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, 10 years ago, and uh, yeah, the song that they had originally submitted, it was much more of a, hey, weren't things great when we were all part of Russia? Yeah, we love Russia. And um, yeah, EBU was just like, no, you're not doing that. And they had about a 72-hour window to completely turn around a new entry, and that is how we ended up with I Love Belarus. I think this is going to be a longer-term issue and i don't think it's going to be just a 2021 issue but i i also foresee this being an issue going forward i it it was a weird note to start the week on wednesday there were four songs that dropped the first uh to go live was austria's entry by vincent bueno and his song amen So, Ben, what was your initial read on this song? My initial read on the song, and just sort of having listened to it a few more times since then, uh, is really summed up by the first line of the song. Amen, I I guess. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I was trying to find interviews or him explaining what the song is supposed to be about in the hopes that it was going to be something more than a heavy-handed response to a failed relationship but that's pretty much what it is and it's like oh no i was also doing that google search where my thinking was going it's like well this could be highly sarcastic about government response to all of the systemic failures that have come to light in the last year or that have been around for a while and people just started paying attention in the last year but i think i was giving the song way too much credit (laughs) yes similar to the other song titled amen i'm like okay you're you're saying that word a lot but i'm not sure it has a connection to what you're singing about as a whole Mm -hmm. the overall motif comes across as not the right year for Mm-hmm. This. Although I, I, I've struggled to think of this working like three years ago or even three years from now. Cause it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Dude, can we, can we not use a funeral as a metaphor? Yeah. Or at least have it be a little bit more elegant. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm really struggling with this one. Um, mm-hmm. Currently in the battle of the amens, I don't particularly care for either of them. Hmm. At least they're not in the same semifinal, because that would have been real weird. Uh, that would have been real weird. <laughs> Open with an amen. At least, at, least at least we are getting one amen per semifinal. This one does nothing for me. I, I like that we're getting a different vibe from Vincent Bueno. I like that we're. I like that a lot of the artists this year who are returning have given us a different side of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that this is, this is the side that I want from Vincent Bueno. I think I'd find him confusing as an artist because last year's entry was kind of all over the place and then this one is all over a different place this one i'm gonna have to sit with and hopefully get a little bit more explanation as to what the intent is behind it and Mm -hmm. maybe once it gets out of a pr space of like yeah this is what the new song is about and maybe a little deeper reflection i don't know the next song to drop on wednesday was greece's entry from stefania last dance to know what did you think of this one of the 80s tinged entries that we've had this selection season i think this one is the most successful okay and it feels like a greek entry like just the persona that greece has at eurovision where it's kind of cinematic storytelling and grandeur and like they they want to put on an experience and i think this entry is going to allow them to do that i'm quite taken with this one mm-hmm. uh what, what, yeah, what do you I, think of it 
I would agree with that it fits the standard things we expect from Greece in terms of performance. Like this gives them a chance to do like a big show, a big story. I like that it's a different vibe from them because like the last couple of years we've had a little bit more ballady, a little bit more out there. And this feels more in the pop space they were doing in like the mid 2000s. I agree with you. This is probably one of the more successful of the 80s ones. What this sounded like to me was uh, Dua Lipa's physical. It's not like the exact template of that. Right. Like they definitely were kind of listening to that. And I'm also grateful that it's more influenced by the 80s instead of it being like, hey, let's make references to the 80s. Like it's a fine line to play around, but I think it would have come across as really disingenuous for an 18 year old to do something that was so Stranger Things. Emulating Dua Lipa in 2021 is a very smart pop strategy. And Future Nostalgia was a very successful album last year. So I think that is a good way to go. And I think that this separates itself enough from what Physical was doing to be its own thing. And like, it could just be me that's hearing echoes of Physical in this. I've seen some other comparisons to that, but I I don't feel like this is a Dua Lipa clone. Like, I don't think she's trying to emulate the vocals in the same way. I think it's it's much more in the musicality of the song that, uh, Mm -hmm. where you can draw those comparisons. But I think Stefania's, she's holding her own. She's holding her own. She's doing what she needs to do. And I think this has a lot of fun staging potential. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is going to work out for her in a way that I think Supergirl might have caused her some problems. Just thinking in terms of like long-term career prospects. Mm -hmm. Supergirl was maybe a little more on the junior side. And this is putting her on a pathway to being an adult music personality. Yes. One thing lyrically that that only lights up in my brain for this song, Mm -hmm. in the chorus... The description of a rock and romance. Like, it's such an interesting choice of word. I feel like it, I only see that word in the context of New Year's Eve. <laughs> are we going to be referencing that every episode from here on in? <laughs> we are now. It is canon. Anyways, next on the list on Wednesday was Switzerland, who revealed John's Tears' new song, To Looney Burr. I think you had posted somewhere that the the production team on this one is the same production team as arcade and as soon as you post that like yes mm-hmm. that's been the comparison that i've been seeing the most is that this is like arcade 2.0 and yes yeah like it's it's pretty but i think because it's arcade 2.0 that's why it's the front runner and that's the only reason why i can think that it's the front runner yes yes yeah because i listened to i was like this is fine this is very pretty i see why we're going crazy about this one at the moment but also this is just arcade let's pick something new yeah it's interesting in the sense that under normal eurovision circumstances like there is kind of this trade-off of like oh yeah odd number of years tend to go for ballads and then uh even number of years are more up-tempo winners and having that break in the pattern uh with last year being canceled i think that that's maybe throwing the math off a little bit but maybe like this is fine i can see it doing well i wouldn't be mad at it doing well i don't want it to win like i want something up-tempo i want i want something fun i haven't gone so far as to figure out like what i want to win and what i don't want to win yet but yeah i guess i'm just confused by the overwhelming reception to this one Mm -hmm. part of that may also be fatigue because we had 12 songs last week we had 10 songs this week and it's just like i have not had time to process (laughs) any of these songs like it's just hoots and clicks uh give me two weeks and then i'll be able to figure some stuff out. just give me give me two weeks let me let me just like dissociate and target for a little bit with the playlist on yes no Let me just stand in the vitamin aisle at Target and think about things yeah. for like five minutes <laughs> while one of these songs plays in my uh, earphones. I have started listening to the songs kind of in their semifinal groupings, and second half of the second semifinal is a real variety pack, and that's where this it song is. is. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the listing of what all is in the, in the in the second semifinal, and I'm just like, this is this is wild. Yeah, yeah. Like, the first half is going to be so completely different from the second half. I can't wait to to dissect (laughs) that. It's going to be delicious chaos because Mm -hmm. we kept the same 
like the same halves of the semifinals from last year and people are doing completely different things yeah that i am looking forward to and who knows like in two weeks this song may click with me because i think that was my issue with Rapunzel moi where i didn't really get it the first time around and the music video just came across as really pretentious but that one really grew on me as the weeks went by i wouldn't be shocked if that happened with this one and i just have not had time to actually sit with it and let it do its thing but i can't watch the video that video was distressing uh <laughs> yes yeah the video is yes no the video is like i've i watched the video once and since then i've, I've only engaged with the audio on this one mm -hmm. yeah same here the last one to drop on wednesday uh came from bulgaria uh victoria had a concert for her ep a little dramatic she performed all of the tracks on that album she also did tears getting sober and a couple of other uh singles that she's put out in the last couple of years and at the end of the special, she revealed which song was a combination of listener input and broadcaster and Victoria herself. And the song that she has selected for Rotterdam is Growing Up Is Getting Old. Okay, and I think I misspoke earlier when I said that I wasn't really thinking about what's going to win, what's not going to win. I want this one to win so bad. I love this song so much. <laughs> uh, ben, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, with that kind of intro. Um, <laughs> lyrically, I have warmed to this one more than I did Tears Getting Sober. Mm hmm this one has hit me more immediately where I'm like, oh, I get what she's doing with this. I really like the little lyrical flip between growing up is getting old and getting up is growing old. Mm -hmm. I like this one a lot. I'm maybe not as bullish on it as you are, but like, I would like it to do well. For me, there's such delicate wordplay. Like what, what you were you were describing with the flipping of the terms and like the cadence of the lyrics and just really playing with the lilting nature and... Yeah, like it, it's really hitting me in a very vulnerable spot. And it's been very difficult mm -hmm. to get through any listen of the song without having an emotional response. So and I'm already imagining all of the different ways that this could be staged. And I think the music video is just lovely. Uh, it, it's kind mm -hmm. of drawing on the uh, WandaVision aesthetic a little bit. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if, if that's intentional, but it's hitting all the mic buttons and I really, really okay. appreciate it. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not hitting all the Ben buttons, but I'm not sure that Victoria's music does just because last year I also was just sort of tilting my head at tears getting sober mm -hmm. and going, well, I get what this is doing, but it's just whooshing by. This one is hitting me more immediately than that one was. And I want to see how it grows with me because, like, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very busy Wednesday. Yes, it was. It was a little bit quieter the rest of the week with only two entries per day. But let's talk about Thursday because the UK revealed their entry from James Newman, Embers. What did you think of this one? Something that I've learned in covering Eurovision for so long is the excitement of the UK fans on my Twitter feed for their entry is inversely proportional to my response <laughs> to the UK entry. And I just, well, I just learned that every year when the UK entry comes out, it's coming home. We're do we did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is this style of song just really is not for me. Okay. I appreciate what is happening lyrically in the song. Like, he takes a metaphor and actually explores the metaphor and does not mix it with other metaphors. We will get into that subject in a little okay. bit. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know why James is the delivery mechanism for this song. Like, I could see, totally see that him writing this for somebody else, but the Steve Winwood quality to his voice just really mm -hmm. 
clashes, I think, with the style of the song and just the vibe that he uh, kind of established for himself last year. I don't know. You really liked last year's entry, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about this this one. This reminded me of when Jess Glynn and Clean Bandit's Rather Be mm-hmm. started doing numbers in the United States. It was attached to a Coke commercial. And then, like, last year... There was an ad for bubbly, sparkling water that had another production duo and featured artist. Mm-hmm. This song, and particularly like the instrumental break, feels like there should be like a tagline for chips at the end of it. Yes. Just like, end of the horn break. Taste the sensation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is that this feels like like James Newman is just like the featured artist on top of whatever else. It feels like it slots in very nicely on radio or like into a Spotify playlist, but like it does not feel like it has the same, it comes from the same place as like last year's entry. That's interesting. I I think you're right about that. It does feel like he is guesting on somebody else's track. Yeah. I don't doubt that he wrote this. Like I said, I I think lyrically it is a very interesting song. Yeah. Lyrically, I like what it's doing and like, I really liked Blasa Mafian's song in Norway's selection. Mm -hmm. And this, like, the horns and the brass on this are very similar to that. Somebody on Twitter had placed part of the song over, like, a clip of Love Island, which is a show that that I have, that I've been been intrigued by and tried to watch, except that every time I try to watch Love Island, A, I watch 10 minutes of, I'm like, oh, this is the type of program I hate. Yeah. But also, when I'm, like, Googling, I'm like, wait, there are how many episodes? (laughs) Yeah. It's on how many times a week? I have things to do. This song, like, loudly playing as someone is describing themselves and what they're looking to get from Romance on the Island. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> and really, I mean, that may be why the UK fan base is so bullish on this one. Because, I mean, Love Island is huge. And if this is something that would fit in with that aesthetic, it would follow that the fans would like it as well. I My issue with it is that this is going to get lost in a field of 26 entries. Probably. It, probably. Like, I would like to see it do better than, like, last place, because I think that there are other more last place worthy entries. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you have to earn last place. <laughs> you have to earn last place. That would be kind of rude to this song. I wouldn't be mad if it popped up on Spotify randomly. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's like one of the better things the UK has sent recently. If this is what BMG is doing as part of their, their working with the UK, I think this is a good direction to go. This is very radio friendly. This this is what's going on in UK pop. So like, I think they are on the right track. And I think that the UK is going to just have a tough time the next couple of years, no matter what they send, just because of politics, which we know are not part of the decision in, in whose song wins, but also politics. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does also happen. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be another another interesting one to revisit in a month or so just to see how opinions have changed and how reception has changed. I wish him well. Like, I I, I, do, I do like his voice. I just think it's weird on this one. So based on the videos from like last year, he seems like a real cinnamon roll. We must protect at all costs. <laughs> To, to use internet parlance. <laughs> Please be nice to James Newman. His song is fine. Yes. Yes. The other one that dropped on Thursday comes from North Macedonia. It's Vassil Garvanliev's Here I Stand. Here I stand. There's no pretend. My walls are down. My heart's in your hand. I'm changed. I think this is the type of song I was expecting from Vassal last year because uh, he is a trained singer and I don't think you, uh, his, his song last year, really showcased that. And No. Yeah, th- th- this is doing a much better job of showcasing it. However, lyrically, this is word soup and salad. <laughs> what I was saying before about James Newman's taking a metaphor and really exploring as many different dimensions of that metaphor, like embers, heat, fire, uh, all of that imagery. Like this one just goes from one metaphor to the next. And <laughs> the metaphor store was having a sale and Vossel said, yes, I would like everything. I mean, I think he's giving a really good vocal performance. I think the song is very disney and he's being so earnest about it that, like, I don't want to be too harsh <laughs> about oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, same. Like, like, like the intro to the video for this was very nice. Mm-hmm. But then the more I keep listening to the song, I'm like, okay, so, like, the performance is as though this is a very 
this is a very earnest, very meaningful song. But then I keep listening to the lyrics and just like, like on a line to line basis, it is a different metaphor. Every single line. Yeah. A game of exquisite corpse, which kind of has me wondering if maybe there is a longer version of the song. Because a lot of people were also like describing it as being Disney or being like Eurovision, the musical, that sort of thing. And it does sound a little bit more like a reprise of a song like you're toward the end of act two and you're getting into like like revisiting mm-hmm. the thesis song from act one and this is just kind of taking the excerpts from that and if there is a fuller version of that i would be curious to hear what that sounds like it might make a little bit more sense i totally hear the disney thing though like the set like my second or third listen through today i was like that's the word is it's very disney 11th hour number mm-hmm. it's, it's not quite an i want song right on the other hand like some of the lines might be <laughs> there are a lot of ideas and they just haven't been filtered thoroughly i think mm-hmm. so yeah although i did appreciate that shortly after the release there there is this like brief intro clip before the song and he's just kind of giving an interview of like what the song means to him which again is why like he's just being so earnest about it mm-hmm. uh but somebody put in clips of oprah reacting from the harry and megan interview <laughs> and and he was the one who retweeted it he was just like who did this this is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> the things i do like about the song is that what i completely agree with what you said that this feels more true to who he is as a, as a performer mm-hmm. that was my one complaint about last year's song and like this feels like vassal has been like plugged into this song rather than this is something that came from him right lyrically it's just kind of all over the shop i think i'm coming on the side of liking it or at at least appreciating what it's trying to do and i I think that that counts for a lot so yes i i get i get what it's going for yes i'm not sure i'm not sure that gets there but i appreciate that it's trying yeah friday poland finally revealed what they're doing and what they are doing is sending rafal and the ride Rafal participated in the Voice of Poland in 2011 and tried to go to ESC for Poland in 2017. He hosted last year's Junior Eurovision Song Contest. What did you think of this song? Of the 80s tinged entries, this one's real weird. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I think the video's kind of neat. I didn't know that there was a neon museum in Warsaw. and Oh yeah, uh, no, this is this is great promo for them. I'm definitely going there once this is all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I immediately looked it up on Atlas Obscura uh, just to be like, what is this about? And yeah, it seems fascinating and uh, um, very as, very as photogenic. Who, so, uh, As someone who has gone to the Neon Graveyard in Las Vegas, mm. I'm very into a big collection of neon signs. Yeah, but the song, it's a song. Just thinking about what we just talked about with Vassal, this absolutely feels like Rafal was plugged into this song. There is nothing about this that I can point to that says, yes, this is Rafal, and not just this is a song that was given to Rafal. Yeah, because like, trying to do some background on Spotify, like this just didn't seem to match up with his previous work. And I get the impression that he's kind of a like Ryan Seacrest type in Poland, just like doing all sorts of hosting gigs. Like he uh, also hosts The Voice Senior, which is a version of The Voice for contestants age 60 and over. And, like, there have been some complaints uh, that I've seen on, like, YouTube and uh, various other forums that are just being like, ugh, he's everywhere. Can't we just have somebody different? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because, like, I I do like that you did did the deep dive on, like, other things that he hosts. Because, like, he he did give me, like, the vibes of, like, this is is the person whose normal job is, like, doing the news. He does music as well. He does have a Spotify page and, and such, but... It's kind of a nothing of a song. And it's really mm-hmm. weird because Poland is in the second semifinal. This is in the first half of the second semifinal, which is where all of the chaos queens are and all of the other songs that are just these up-tempo bangers. And then you have this other song that's not a banger, but it's like aspires to be one someday. It's just going to get lost, I think. It's going to get lost. So far, the press is like they're sending him to dance camp. <laughs> 
<laughs> I missed that one. Uh... They're going to make sure he's comfortable with the dancers so that he can he can focus on giving a good vocal performance. Okay. Yeah, because what I was getting from the music video was it kind of felt like an affectionate parody of a Eurovision song just because of like the lyrics are so simple and nothing burger yes. <laughs> but yes. it also kind of felt like a skit that you would see on like colbert or jimmy fallon or like some late night talk show like not nothing too mean-spirited but also mm-hmm. like not taking it seriously enough like as serious as you need to take eurovision to be successful mm-hmm. at eurovision jimmy fallon would absolutely make this video it would get posted everywhere online but you wouldn't understand what was supposed to be funny about it it is a nice looking video though like that you know, museum mm-hmm. looks really fun so <laughs> <laughs> again my main takeaway from this video is just i need to go to the neon museum in warsaw can they get the rights to this song so they can just use this as a promo clip yeah they probably will. So they pro- do it. Yeah, um, you can get a ride from the bus station to the no. Uh, no. <laughs> Feel the ride. Yeah, Warsaw Neon Museum. Move over to Latvia and the long-awaited entry from Samantha Tina, the original Chaos Queen, and her song "The Moon Is Rising." This one's just real all over the place. There's so many things happening all at the same time. I feel like the song forgets what song it is midway through and then kind of half remembers by the end of it. I also have on brand in my notes. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember reading somewhere that Latvia had done a writing camp, and I think that this came out of, like, five songs that came from that writing camp, and I'm like, yes, this feels like five different songs. Yeah. Samantha and Aminata are listed as writers on, this, on the track, and I, I think that's apparent. I can hear both of their voices in this song. I think I'm going to like it. Both the video version and the studio track felt a bit deflated me like it it was just kind of missing something but i have a feeling when we see a live performance of this it's all going to come together Mm because like i I think it's just the her energy and charisma is just going to push it over the top and yeah like i I feel like like she only operates at over the top so (laughs) it's it's like she starts at 11 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in both the video and the recorded version there's not a moment where it feels like there's a distinct moment in like the live performances of last year's song where it just felt like my tv was having a seizure yes and i mean that in a good way Mm -hmm. i haven't had that moment with this one yet there isn't that gear shift um or like the opportunity to make that terminator meme and Mm -hmm. like (laughs) like the meme potential (laughs) the meme potential of this one hasn't made it self-apparent yet but that was kind of the same as last year too like we didn't really understand still breathing until we saw it performed at supernova and it's like oh okay this is (laughs) this is where we're going with this one and yeah like i'm I'm still waiting for that live performance and what she's going to do with it saturday was our last national final of the season mike melfast (laughs) we did it we survived and, like, overall, I thought this this was a very good lineup. I, w- I was very pleased to see how uh, Clara Klingenstrom had risen in everybody's hearts. And, like, that was a very good performance from her, too. I was very pleased to see how that shook out. Uh, overall, uh, the juries, the jury votes came back, and Tusa was in the lead, followed by Eric Sada, who got 69 points. Nice. nice. <laughs> Dotter and the Mamas. The televote came in. Tusa swept the the televote. Uh, he got 96 points from the televote, which means that across the eight age groups within that, all of them gave Tusa their 12. The televote then gave its second place to the Mamas, and third was Clara Klingenstrom. Hooray! Yay! Uh, what that all adds up to is that Tusa was the decisive victor. Eric Sada was in second place. Uh, then the Mamas beating out Daughter by one point for the second year in a row. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, oh boy. That's harsh. Uh. That, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Tusa. You know we've got 
Voices was the victor. What did you think about it, Mike? Well, going into Melfest, like, you know, I'm I, like not the biggest Melfest fan, but I thought I that there were five songs that were in contention this year. And uh, yeah, they were they were pretty much all represented. Like I, I knew Tusa was going to be a front runner. Eric Sada, even though this song is ridiculous, uh, was going to be up there. Uh, daughter, the Mamas. I was really rooting for Clara Klingenstrom, and I was not expecting such a strong performance from Clara Hammerstrom. Mm-hmm. Same, uh, yeah, because like she was in the two spot. She came out of Andreshansen, and she held her own uh, on on the scoreboard. The juries like that song. Mm-hmm. It was tough though, because like Tusa just completely dominated both the jury and the televote. So that that was a surefire winner. I like Tusa a lot. Like the the camera mm-hmm. loves him. Uh, I've seen articles uh, talking about like uh, he may have to pull an all nighter because he has a biology assignment due on Monday. <laughs> and it's oh, like, that's okay, adorable. That, that yeah, that is great. And one one of the things that I love about Eurovision is like, oh right, most of these people are real people, and uh, they they have lives outside uh, outside of their singing careers. And mm-hmm. the song itself. It feels very Melfesty, feels very Swedish. The song is, like, this will be the second song in Eurovision this year from The Debs and mm-hmm. Jimmy Joker. Yeah, and I think their other one is stronger. So. I would agree with you there. Yeah. But I will say that I think Tusa has the same thing that the Mamas did both last year and this year of taking a song that in its recorded version sounds kind of Sweden by numbers mm-hmm. and elevating it. Yes, because I think both of their performances this year took material that it isn't my favorite. I'm I'm still kind of lukewarm on this as an entry for Sweden, but I think they I think they made the right choice. Felt like people were having were were like a little nervous overall in the field, and like Tusa's performance was very strong. I don't feel like people had the yips, but like vocals were just kind of weirdly all over the place for the performances. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just like how the venue is set up, or just everybody's just in their head about the final. Yeah, and I mean, they're also not performing in front of an audience, so you have that weird, there's that energy transfer from, like, a receptive audience to the performer and, like, going back and forth, and if you don't have that, like, I I think they may have actually been performing to a Zoom wall, like, they could see people's faces watching them as they're performing on stage, but... Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Don't do that, Sweden. Yeah. Why? Probably so that they could at least have a sense of that they were performing to somebody other than the camera operators. But mm-hmm. maybe that might be a good way to hop into like how uh, Christopher Bjorkman's last Melfest went, uh, g- given all of the restrictions that have been in play for this season. Having just come off of last week's show where we talked about Philip Kirkorov giving himself a 45-minute look-how-great-I-am performance, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Christopher kind of poking fun at himself. And, like, doing it in, like, a smaller music number. Yeah, and it looked like he was having a ton of fun and was, I don't know, like, it's a little weird, like, putting on your own... Putting on your own retirement party? Yeah. I mean, he's a performer through and through, and you could tell that he is someone who loves his job. That was very apparent. I did like the Lorene joke. I missed that. Like, I saw that she was on the big screen, but I, I didn't catch what the joke was. She's Christer's favorite. It's not Mons. Oh, Okay. Oh yeah, you were listening to the the English yes. audio track. Ooh. Okay, I was I was not because like part of part of the magic for me is like not understanding what's going half of what's going on. Yeah, you made the correct choice there because yeah, well I mean part of it was uh, since it's the first time that they had done an English feed, there was an element of it being like Melfest one hundred and one. Like this this is how the show works, and yeah, it also just felt over scripted trying a little too hard for joke and the audio quality was bizarre like i think they may have been doing a skype call and then using the audio from that to pipe in rather than something that actually sounds good (laughs) so yeah it was you don't need to go and uh, seek out the the english track for that I'm, i'm glad that they offered it but next year they need to work out some of the technical issues well and like part of it could have just been trying to keep everything somewhat covid safe i don't know i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> no one knows anymore <laughs> no one knows um congrats to tusa i i thought that he had a real stage presence and i believe he just he also just won a uh, swedish idol last year so like a nice nice little step up for him he, he's doing very well uh in the competition circuit because i think he also did uh sweden's got talent and was a semi-finalist there so yeah just 
inching up the ladder so um ticking off all the boxes maybe your vision will be next who knows who knows yes uh and then the last thing to drop on saturday and this week was iceland's entry from dothy and gagna magnith 10 years how does it keep getting better So this one didn't hit me as immediately as Think About Things did. It has been growing on me a lot. My initial in, in take on it was that it's taking the things I really liked about his first Eurovision entry, Is This Love? Mm-hmm. And also mixing them with the things I liked about Think About Things. It feels very true to his musical style. I would agree with that. Yeah, like I I like the story of this song. Like there is such a sweetness to it and it is very it is his style like he has a very dis- a distinct voice and style of story that he wants to tell i thought the performance i think the dothy brand is starting to get in the way a little bit mm-hmm. i don't think the song necessarily needs the toy instruments and the pyrotechnics coming out of the the saxophone or like a tiktok dance to go with it or the party popper thing at the end of the song like it, it kind of felt like it was trying to recycle a lot of stuff from think about things and mm-hmm. that's not this song like this song is telling a different story and i think it's strong enough to stand on its own or be told in a slightly different way or maybe i don't want to say a more mature way because I, I i don't think what he has been doing previously has been childish but mm-hmm. demonstrate the 10 years of growth by showing a little bit more growth from year to year if that makes sense yeah i, I get that like part of it for me is also the the way that the song was premiered was a live performance on a new music talk show straumer mm-hmm. i'm thinking that performance matches what's going to be on that show i think that the the music video is likely going to be a little bit different and i would i think that there will be elements of what we saw here happening in rotterdam but i'm not sure that we're going to get the exact same performance just because this had like a full live band right <laughs> it, it had a children's choir yeah <laughs> A surprise children's choir, which really does, like, yeah, that <laughs> that yeah. kind of warms my heart. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoyed the children's choir. I also think that of the various choirs we've been seeing pop up now that we do, now that, that restriction is put on a one-year hiatus, mm. I think that this makes good use of, like, the, the chorus of A Thousand Voices that Dothy had built. Yeah. I agree with you that it doesn't need all the bells and whistles that were happening there, but I think they have time to edit those and see what actually works in the stage performance. I was taking a look at the places where I was seeing Think About Things reach out to last year that weren't my, that weren't the normal places that i saw eurovision in my feed as the song slowly went viral mm. they're having very good reactions to this song okay they're like oh this is great this is a great follow-up to think about things so i think looking outside of of like our our heavy eurovision bubble there are people who are responding well to this okay that, that's good to hear because it really is a good song and it's it just, is a good so it sweet. is a good song the chorus like the chorus is what grows on me every time and like there is such a sweetness and, a, and an earnestness to the song and the way that dothy tends to write all of his stuff yeah and especially as somebody who got super into his music last year after he popped up uh and seeing the connections between this song and his 2017 entry it's, it's like it feels like there are direct connections between the two yes yeah i mean there there is a clear evolution here and uh i'm glad that we've been able to be part of that journey like it's Mm -hmm. it's been a lot of fun to watch when the video happens i i think that that's going to help give this a little bit more booster like once we get that official music video because just how viral the original one went i want to see what level of reaction this one has Mm -hmm. i'm wondering given how many returning artists we have this year for a certain percentage of the population, how much of their vote is going to be a referendum on their 2020 entry, even though so, sort of like how how with with an art with like recording artists, their album sales are at least partially a reflection on how well their previous album did as as right. the new album itself. My thought is that if if people who are not like super heavy into national final season, but did get super into think about things come in like how much of that vote for dothy is going to also just be partially i remember this from last year and it was great yeah 
is is I, that it could be it could be momentum for for things like that but also for other things like like um switzerland had lots of momentum last year as well yeah i mean i, I have a feeling that's going to end up being a on a country by country basis because uh finland and uh, sweden did not have that sort of sentimentality in <laughs> in in reselecting their uh previous artists uh True. Where, but like lithuania like they they were all in on the group last year they were all in this year and I would also be curious to see how much of, of a referendum effect there is. This week, so much quieter than the last couple of weeks. Uh, the heads of delegations meeting uh, is in progress. So all entries are due on Monday. The entry from Azerbaijan, Fendi's Matahari, Malta's entry for Destiny, and Georgia's entry uh, by Tornike Kipiani, you, uh, those have all dropped <laughs> this is dropping on tuesday that all happened on monday we will be talking about it next week i hope you followed that train of thought and uh we will also know what the deal is with belarus hopefully maybe i think that's it for now we've had a lot did we miss anything ben i th- i think that covers it i mean we're we're also gonna have to deal with however many countries announce that they're that they're giving us a revamp even if the revamp is just like boosting the base a little bit eh, yeah yeah well, well we'll cross that bridge when we get there but uh until then that's going to do it for this episode of the euro what thank you for listening the euro what podcast is hosted by mike mccomb that's me and ben smith that's me you can subscribe to the euro what on the podcast app of your choice when you subscribe leave us a review let us know how we're doing and help other eurovision fans find us show notes are in the description of this episode or on our website at eurowhat.com if you'd like to contact us we're at eurowhat on twitter or you can email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com we'll be back next week to try to make sense of what's new in eurovision end of the horn break taste the sensation